0: Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal land. This is ABC News Day. Imagine the distress you'd feel if you were told out of the blue that you owed the government thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars that's the anguish the coalition government inflicted on 400,000 Australians when it illegally clawed back welfare payments. Public hearings in the Royal Commission investigating who's to blame for the deeply flawed robo-debt scheme end this week. Today, ABC reporter Rachel Mealy walks us through the key evidence. Rachel, the RoboDebt Royal Commission has been going for several months now and you've covered, you know, a lot of it. What sticks in your mind most? Because it's been pretty emotional. This has changed the lives of a lot of people. One of the really heartbreaking cases that's been raised at the Royal
1: Commission was about Rhys Corzo. He was a 28-year-old man who lived in Melbourne. You are the mother of two boys, Miss Miller? Yes. Um, and Rhys... Uh, was the younger of those two. Yes. And he worked part-time for a florist and for a number of years he claimed the unemployment benefit. Now, his mother, Jennifer Miller, told the Royal Commission that he suffered from bouts of depression and anxiety and when he received one of these letters in 2016, she says it tipped him over the edge. On the fridge, I found the um, debt letters from um, Dun Bradstreet It alleged that he owed a debt of $28,000 and Reese Corso took his own life in 2017. Um, He passed away on the 26th of January. Yes, that's right. How did you come to know or learn of that? Um, The police arrived to our house at three o'clock in the morning um, and... Delivered the news. His debt notice had been calculated illegally by averaging out the income he'd earned at that florist over a year, instead of looking at his actual fortnightly mm. payments, which might have varied widely depending on the amount
0: of work that he'd done in that fortnight. Devastating, absolutely devastating for his family and his mother. It's a really shocking story, isn't it? But it's not the only one because other people have actually taken their lives because of this as well.
1: Yeah, you're right, Sam. There's just so many stories about heartache and anguish that these letters caused. And stories like Reese's really began to mount throughout 2016 and 2017. And a Facebook page was set up where people shared their stories of what they saw at that time to be false debts that they were accused of more and more family members came forward with just devastating stories about the suicide of their loved ones that they believed was directly connected to the debt notice and the stress that it caused. Sandra Bevan has given evidence at the Royal Commission. She was a support worker who says she was so distraught by the debt notices that she also thought about taking her own life. I was so upset. I was so sleep deprived. My kids... Needed me. They'd already lost their dad. And I was trying my best to keep my house a roof over our head. Now, all of those stories and that mounting pressure resulted in a legal challenge to robo-debt in 2019 in the federal court, which revealed the scheme to be illegal and resulted in $1.8 billion in compensation being paid out to victims. So when the Labor government came into office last year, it set about fulfilling its election promise of holding a royal commission into that policy.
0: Right. So we've got the federal court ruling and then Labor promised this Royal Commission, which is what you've been sitting through in the past few months. It's been examining this scheme. But what's it actually, Rachel, trying to achieve so, Sam, I guess the, the Royal Commission's mission can
1: be boiled down to three prongs, if you like, how this policy came to be implemented, given that it was based on this flawed and illegal method of calculating a welfare debt, mm. why it wasn't stopped sooner, given all the stories of stress and anguish that emerged, and how such a catastrophe of public administration
0: can be avoided in the future. And I guess a key question is to what extent the ministers and the department were aware that the scheme was actually illegal. Yeah, that's at the heart of it.
1: The Royal Commission has spent a lot of time looking at the creation of the policy How that fatal flaw of the robo-debt policy, the use of income averaging, ended up being baked into the policy is critical here. Mm. At that time, Catherine Campbell was the head of the Department of Human Services and she's now given evidence to the Royal Commission three times because she was the key official who led the implementation of the scheme. Ms Campbell, I'm not sure if you took an oath for an affirmation, but whatever it was, it still binds you? Yes, Commissioner. Thank you. And a document that was written by her deputy in February of 2015 expressly states that under this proposed policy, a legislative change was required. That all takes time, and the government really wanted to start banking some of this money that it wanted to claw back. In March of 2015, that critical piece of information about there being a need for legislation was removed from that document before it was sent to the department and up the street to Parliament House. Now, Catherine Campbell has admitted that that omission misled Cabinet. A document which was capable of misleading a subcommittee of Cabinet went unnoticed by you despite your earlier involvement in those briefings.
0: Yes, I cannot recall why I didn't notice it. Okay, so that brings us to the ministers.
1: Yeah, and Sam, there were a few ministers over the years. There was a bit of uh, changing of seats throughout this period. Scott Morrison was the social services minister when the scheme was introduced. You swear by almighty God that the evidence you will give will be the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I do. He told the Royal Commission he had no idea that the scheme was unlawful. There was nothing to suggest to me in the submission that went to Cabinet that it was unlawful and no evidence was presented about uh, that submission, that it was unlawful at that time. Malcolm Turnbull took over as Prime Minister in September of 2015. He told the Royal Commission that when problems with the scheme emerged, it never occurred to him that it was illegal.
0: I did not turn my mind to the legality of the program. It never occurred to us that it was unauthorised. and in fact-
1: Christian Porter, who became Social Services Minister in 2015, said he did ask, but he was told that it was legal. I can't recall who it was who affirmed that assurance, but someone did, and I recall that it was a departmental person. I couldn't say if it was DSS or DHS. And, and there were other characters in those ministers' chairs. Alan Tudge, Stuart Robert, mm. Maurice Payne also served as ministers for human services and government services throughout that period. That
0: particular uh, matter, I don't know the answer to that. And I didn't uh, know the clearly. full context in relation to the legalities. It just had not crossed my mind until I read about it. Mm, So they're all saying they thought it was legal. But even if they weren't aware that it was illegal, shouldn't these ministers, Rachel, have realised at least that there were problems with it? Because there was a lot of concerns being raised. So, Sam, this has been another really
1: concerning aspect of this Royal Commission. When people came forward to highlight their case, it seems there was a dedicated plan of action to cover up, to obfuscate, to confuse... Human Services Minister Alan Tudge even authorised the release of the personal information of welfare recipients in an attempt to reset the narrative on those negative robo-debt stories that were emerging.
0: The minister requested the file of every single person who appeared in the media so that we could see the exact you know, transactions that they'd had with Centrelink and understand... Alan Tudge's
1: former media advisor, Rochelle Miller, testified that she oversaw a strategy to deliberately try to shut down the stories coming out about the scheme. And she said that that strategy pretty much worked.
0: Um, But that media strategy uh, was quite comprehensive that I developed in January to shut down the story. And that involved, you know, placing stories with the, um, you know, the more friendly media, the right-wing media, about how the Coalition was actually catching people who were cheating the welfare system. Hmm, What about Alan Tudge? What's he said about that? He's rejected
1: the idea that he was trying to shut the story down. He says that he had concerns. But because it was a Cabinet decision, he didn't have the authority to overturn it.
0: They were the Cabinet decisions. Which I didn't have the authority to overturn. My authority was to fix the implementation and the operations of the system, which was my very sharp focus. And I believe, Commissioner, the things which I did. What about at the end? Because finally, some legal advice had merged within the Department of Human Services saying definitely that robo debt was illegal. So, what happened then? So the former secretary
1: of the Human Services Department, Renee Leon, testified that she presented legal advice to Stuart Robert in October of 2019 from the Solicitor General and That piece of advice said that the scheme was illegal. Once and for all, it it said it in a document. Now, she recommended winding up the scheme and repaying the money. But Professor Leon says Stuart Robert was defiant at that stage. And his response was, we won't be doing that. We'll double down.
0: Well, Secretary, legal advice is just advice. It was in, I think that is a rendition of his tone.
1: Stuart Robert, when he was in the stand, denied this. He says that as soon as he was made aware of that advice, he marched into the Prime Minister Scott Morrison's office and Mm. told him that robo-debt needed to be
0: stopped. On the 7th of November, when the SG advice arrived, my department had had it for seven or eight weeks. I had it for two hours before I walked straight into the Prime Minister's office, unannounced, put it down and said, we need to stop this. Mm, It's pretty damning evidence before this Royal Commission. And of course, we know, as we've discussed, the huge human impact this has actually had. So, Rachel, what is likely... To actually come out of this royal commission,
1: when it's all said and done, the royal commissioner can recommend to the director of public prosecutions that charges be laid against individuals. So, whether or not charges actually eventuate in this circumstance, we'll have to wait and see. But for those people who've lost loved ones, it's it's hard to imagine that you know anything really will will be enough. Reese Corzo's mother, Jennifer Miller, just gave such powerful testimony. At the Royal Commission, she said that she really hopes that this will ensure that people working in the public service never allow something like this to happen again. Once I saw all the information that we have, um, it was both heartbreaking um, but also vindicating, seeing that we've been able to get the truth over
0: ferries. Rachel Mearly is an ABC reporter based in Brisbane. The Royal Commission will deliver its report on June the 30th. If this episode has caused you any distress, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Chris Dengate and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. Over the weekend, catch This Week with Melissa Clark, where she'll be discussing the Prime Minister's trip to India and concern over the nation's human rights record. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again on Monday. Thanks for listening.